0: Man, it's some real stuff here, cuz man, I'm telling you, bro. Um, man, I love it, man. Um, just want to tell you, bro. You know, you're inspiring a lot of people, man. This, this, this real talk, man. You know, and um, just want to tell you, I love you, man. Keep up the good work, man. But you always had that click, man. You and your partners, bro. you have always been the coolest thing since sliced bread. You heard me. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, cuz, man, I love it, bro. I can't stop listening to you, man, you know. I can't stop listening to you, bro. You know, I respect it, man. I love it, bro. I'm listening to it right now. I'm on the, what, second episode? It's like an hour alone, but I ain't gonna stop listening till I fall asleep.
1: What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I'm Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Joining my co-hosts, Buff and Rozzy. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind.
0: Man, I I, I just wish the listeners could have heard the uh, the pre-talk before we started we recording, man. We might
1: have lost some man, we, we had lost some so listeners. much fun.
0: <laughs> you ain't lying. Well, we about to game some, I'm with too. it, I'm with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But... But I just want to tell the people, we we frequently say it. I do a different podcast called Politically Entertaining. I just want to tell people elections matter. And we're definitely seeing it with the administration, but we're definitely seeing it in the state of Florida. They had a governor election. What was that, last year? Very close. Andrew Gillum lost narrowly. And I don't live in Florida. I don't know how they're feeling right now, but from the outside looking in, if I was in Florida, I would want a redo. Like, if you voted for DeSantis, I don't know how you can comfortably sit there in that state and say, man, you know what? I was wrong. Let's let's get Andrew. I don't know where he is right now. I know he had the little controversy, but he need to go on, come on out and take over because that dude, DeSantis, is an idiot. There's no other way to put it, dog. The way he's handled it And just every he's been wrong on every turn on this virus. And I get it. It's a new virus. You're going to be wrong from time to time. But when the evidence was smacking him, dabbing in the face, they was telling him, hey, you know, in a few weeks, if you keep going like this, your state is going to be like New York. He vehemently denied it and said, no, it's not. No, it's not. And look what Florida is. Miami, they said, is at Wuhan levels. Wuhan is where the goddamn virus started. That's what level <laughs> they're at right now. So again, I'm just, you know, I know sometimes people say, you know, voting doesn't matter. All politicians are the same. Bull bleep. Because if you in Florida right now, like I say, I would want to redo. That's just me. I'm not living there. Maybe I'm wrong. People in Florida, y'all holler at us if you disagree, but well, Sandy's he- is an idiot.
2: Man, you gotta you gotta pray for the whole South because uh <laughs> Oh yeah over in Georgia speak on it. Um, is suing my girl Keisha, Keisha Lance Bottoms yeah, because she said we need to have masks on in Atlanta, the most how popular dare that city nigga. in Georgia. He's like, nope. How dare that? And I said <laughs> That's
0: exactly what he said. That's
2: really what it is. Like, I don't understand it, man. Like, you know, in the army, we have a, a saying you can add to, but can't take away from the rig. So my thing is, if she's adding to the rig, if you said they ain't got to do it, but she's saying you do, that is not going against you. That's just adding to what you said. Well, so, <laughs> but he, he he put in, he, they put in there that in his executive order that the cities couldn't go more or add to whatever he said that right there is a huge power grab at at the state (laughs) Capitol too. So that
0: that was another narrow election. And I don't even know necessarily if Georgia really elected him because he was in the office that was in charge of counting the votes running for an office that counted the votes that he was in. So I don't even know if he, that should have been allowed. I think if you are the secretary of state and you're running for governor, you need to resign from that office. There's no way you should yeah. be in charge of counting the the votes our that communion. you're running
2: for. Yeah, agreed. But I will shout out um, Alabama. Kay Ivey actually made a good decision, and uh, she extended our she safer at home really and, and added a uh, mask. So there's a mask requirements. She's actually been banned from a couple of restaurants uh, because she put the well, mask order just, in place. Just so, so you so
1: don't, I'm not going to allow us to just think stupidity isn't an American thing. Because you have the president of Brazil, who's usually pretty good at handling health crisis. They're just as bad because uh, the president of Bolsonaro is just, when I was I was listening to the Ted talk the other day. If you just bleep out his name, you could have swore they were talking about Trump. Like this dude has replaced, I think I want to say two or three health ministers because they they wouldn't really sign off on uh his idea about the mask and the what's the the pills that uh Trump and everybody's saying is the the
2: hydrochloro yeah. something whatever it is yeah
1: so he they wouldn't sign off on it so he kept uh firing people and finally got this military general as a health minister who finally signed off i guess as an act of good faith hmm convenient that a general would sign off on what the president wanted him to do doesn't that just work wonders and i'm like dude if you listen to what this dude is saying you're like man we thought trump was the only one so it's not it's not just you know it's
2: just not us uh- Oh, it's just, it's not just him because you you know Canada wouldn't even meet with uh with Trump and uh the president of Mexico because he's like uh, both of y'all are idiots and so makes sense. I ain't bringing that here makes sense he wouldn't, he wouldn't <laughs> have
1: a mask, anything he was
0: oh and one last thing for Rozzy takes Takes uh congratulations Miss Dilla Hay that was uh our physical ed teacher back when we was in high school she won an election to be. You know what office it is? It's like the school, the board.
2: It's, uh, yeah, school board, uh, like committee or council. Yeah, so yeah. she's on the, on the school board council. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think it's place four yeah. or something like that. So yeah, congrats yeah. to you. Yeah, proud you. Doing proud, of, you, thing, proud so of you. Proud of so you. Proud of you. Proud of you. She like
1: deserves to cause she loves, she loves the kids. So she does. She All really right, Roger, what do yeah. for us, man?
2: So just a couple things. One, I want to shout out new movie on Netflix called The Old Guard. Dope! So, you stole my thunder. Yeah, Old Guard is uh, it's really really good. So for the listeners out there, if you like uh, sci-fi action, anything like that, it, it's pretty pretty cool. So go out check that out. The other thing is, man, this is one time that I am excited that we are not verified on Twitter because uh, <laughs> all the all the Twitter verified uh, accounts got hacked. So yeah. they got my president, man. I ain't like that one too much. They got so Trump. Anonymous, whoever did it. You know who you talking nah, about. No, they got my president. <laughs> you yeah, know who you Obama. talking about, man. <laughs> he it. <trolling. laughs> so anonymous, y'all need to be a little bit more careful, whoever uh actually did it. But uh we don't we don't play with a, a lot of y'all need to stop that one.
1: Yeah, that was that was crazy, man. They trolled everybody. They got everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. Well But that's all I got, man. What's well, this? Oh, oh. No, no, I'll, I'll save it to the end of the show. Since
1: you talked about uh, the old guard, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I might probably rewatch it, and it's one of those movies you know is about to have like probably a trilogy or something like that. Uh, have you read the books or anything?
2: No, I didn't even know it was a book. I probably it's will. Ba- now. Based
1: off of some books, I got to check it out. But um, actually, in the middle of this movie called The Circle with Tom Hanks, have you guys seen that? I haven't. It's on Um, Amazon Prime. Kind of weird to explain. Basically, it's the, I will not even say futuristic. It's based in like today's world where social media and the internet are really trying to take their place where we talk about all this privacy laws and stuff like that, antitrust. Uh, Basically, there's a young lady, Emma Watson plays uh, a chick named May, and she works for this big social media, Amazon, meet Google, meet Facebook. And basically they're trying to turn this, it's called the circle where they're trying to make this one platform that they just envelop everything in. And it's crazy the, how far fetched some of these ideas are, but you're like, when you look at them, like, yeah, I could really see this happening. So they have Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, what's the dude, the black dude, I can't think of his name, Boyega. Uh John Boyega. he's in it. So they have an all star cast, dude. And it's pretty good. Uh, so I'm gonna finish watching it. If you get a chance to circle, I didn't do it justice, but we're kinda in the the middle of it and it's just like, wow, this is pretty good. So we're since we're talking about movies and keeping a light so far. Anything else, fellas, before we we give the people what they want? That's it for me. All right. Also, oh, Ryzey, it. it was a pleasure having you down this week. It's not often that we get to see people, period. You know, just to have a weekend with uh, one of my closest friends and just getting away and having some fun. We got to go fishing. So uh, if you guys are looking for something to do and you're near water, getting a couple of people together and fishing is, I think, one of the, I get almost one of the safest social distancing events I can think of and still being extremely enjoyable and get some air.
2: Yeah, definitely appreciate all the hospitality. Um, you know, Hutch, Fred, Al, appreciate you guys, all the ladies, you know, for, for cooking that little bit of fish that we did get. It was a it was a it was a rough catch. Uh, but you know, appreciate that. Appreciate everybody just welcoming me into the y'all co- you guys COVID circle uh for the weekend. So, I appreciate that.
1: Uh, no, nah, no problem, man. We appreciate yes. you being there. But with that being said, man, let's go ahead and make this quick and go ahead and pay some bills. Hey, Sophie. Sophie. Hey, Sophie. <laughs> Hello. What's good? Nothing. Nah,
0: you know you like our favorite part of the show.
2: No. <laughs> we might have
1: three brothers and a little sister. You want to change it to that? They name of the show?
2: <laughs> Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> love it. Love
2: it. Ollie's also there. He helps my dad upload the videos. Okay, oh, so he's working it. behind
1: oh. the scenes. But you're the star of the show.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna bring us
1: back in. <laughs> All right, people, we're back, and of course we have the star of the show, everybody's favorite little sister of the big, uh, the three brothers. We have Sophie. <laughs> take, <Yay>. take, it, <laughs> yay. take it away,
2: Sophie.
1: <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, why is a math book always unhappy?
1: Why is a math book always unhappy? Yes. Uh. <laughs> Give it to me. So if I got nothing, what's the answer?
0: It
2: has so many problems. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good one. Thank you for that. That was a good one. Right. a good one. <laughs> I'm sitting there really trying to think. I'm like, minus, nope, nope, nope. They have times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, I, nope. I was thinking like
0: subtraction <laughs> or something like that. Not yeah. had nothing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. Nice.
1: I appreciate oh, that. Man. So that, that that was one of the best ones yet. Appreciate that.
2: Man, I, I, when I tell you she literally like watches videos and everything, when she gets a good one, she comes in and writes it down and like just sticks it next to my computer. And she's like, got that one. That's that's next week's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Dion Cole do stand-up when he does that, has a little notebook? Yeah,
2: he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah like, yep, you know, that was yeah, not going to yeah, work. Yep, nope, yeah.
1: <laughs> Y'all like that? Yeah, good. All right. So that's what I think when I see Sophie. <laughs> she's a future Dion Cole in the making. And she got to her start here. So if she makes it big in comedy, like Yvonne Orgy was also another great uh, stand up comedian, the, I guess, co star of, what's the show? Insecure. Insecure. She has a pretty good stand up. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Rise, saw it uh, Friday night. Mm-hmm. The big girl? No, nah, her, best, her best friend or ex-best friend or whatever they're doing these days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, the, uh, the, from Nigeria. Yes, Yeah, yeah but she, she's pretty funny, dude. And when she talks about Nigeria and her family, dude, she's, she has me cracking up, but that's also because I'm in Houston. What's the name of her special? Uh, Mama, I Made It. Okay. I'll take oh. it out there. Um, well, I'm going to open up my question with a question. So and I guess it still might be a little light. What what are the favorite sayings of people to prove that they're not racist? What are the things they always say?
2: Oh, oh, I, I have a I have a black friend. Yeah, that's the one I was going to go with. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. That's the one John Rocker used
0: yeah or or no, said I, what's the other said one? I had uh, black people I'm, in my I'm, house
2: before <laughs> yeah yeah I'm the least racist person you know Boy,
1: that's your president right? There. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you were right with the first one so ding 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 so um, and I'll elaborate on my answer while I'm asking this question a little later but have you guys ever considered that you might be the black friend <laughs> have you ever thought about that The black friend to the alleged racist? Yes. You are their scapegoat. They are talking about Buff. They're talking about Razi when they're talking about their black friend or their black co-worker.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see that because, I mean, working in a very conservative industry in banking, you know, Buff, you in law enforcement. I mean, those 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 types of industries are ones that, you know, it's. I'm pretty sure when they say I have a black friend, they're talking about a black work friend. Yeah. And that's me. I'm
1: So I want you to think about that. But my question <laughs> is, if you are the black friend. What is the What is that real relationship? And what is your duty as that black friend to help teach them, for one, never to say sh- like. I have black friends like what are you what should you be what should we be doing we have this we have their ear we have their we're their template for blackness do we have a duty to say hey since I'm your black friend let me teach you about what you need to know about black people or the black plight or how you can help so
2: people people who use that. We're not their friend. That's the issue is that they're using. I have a black friend very, very loosely when they say that. Seeing me on the street, being my neighbor. Me saying, hey, when I when I drive by or when we walk down the street. In their mind, I have a black friend, but we we know that we're not friends. Like when we say I have a black friend, I know your mom and them. Like, you know, when we when we say friends, I know about you for real, for real. Like we talk about stuff outside of just work or or normal kind of banter. And, you know, if if they haven't come to me during this whole, you know, Black Lives Matter and social injustice unrest and talk to me about it, they should never use me in that I have a black friend. Uh, perspective because you know obviously I'm not your friend if you haven't come to me and checked on me in this time so that that's my thing is I think they're just using I have a friend way too loosely so for me I don't feel like I have a responsibility to educate them uh, because I don't have the energy to that's really what it comes down to I I can't disturb my peace trying to explain to every white um, we just, just talking about your white friends, right? So just talk about your
1: white friends, not you you not just every white person. The...
2: Even my white my white associates, because my white friends, I don't have to explain that. My white friends I feel like understand. And they would never use that I have black friends because they're not saying stuff that would get them into the situation where they have to say I have black friends. You don't friends. think they never said that so,
1: shit? You you never thought they got them out of trouble?
2: No, I don't think so. The, the 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 white people that I really feel like I consider that I am friends with. No, I don't think they would ever um, say anything that would need would need that response to be able to to defend themselves that I have black friends.
1: Okay, Buff, what you got for me?
0: I want to echo a lot of what Arasio said, except I kind of veer off from him. So the so called educate them. First off, I want to double down on the fact that I don't consider those people friends. Like they use it <laughs> But you're, not you're my their friend. friend, Buff. They no, don't care that, about you I, being that, their friend. That, that, that's fine. If they want to consider me a friend, that's fine. They're not my friend. But um when we have the reason why they think we're friends is because we obviously have frequent conversations uh and from time to time it may veer into the racial landscape. And so what I will do is when we're having a conversation I will let them know when they're, when they're wrong. I've had conversations with coworkers on why I think Ronald Reagan was the worst president we've ever had in the history of America, including Trump. I've had uh, conversations. I had one guy who, you know, I guess based on the conversations we had, he gave me like, he took the time. You're not going to believe this. He took the time and typed up like this eight page thing on ah. where he, where he found all these stories about how black people had committed racist crimes against white people. And you know how people say, I got time today. I had time that day. I went through each story, researched it. None of them were based on racism. And a couple of them, it wasn't even black perpetrators. It was white people. He just assumed they were black. So I like, I handed it back to him with like all my notes. It, it look, <laughs> it, it, I had like red market stuff. that. Like, I like, see, you can look here and see that that's not true. And I gave it back to him.
1: You, you um, had citations yeah, and everything.
0: When I said I had time, <laughs> I had time, bro.
1: So Miss Molly will be proud of you, I, bro.
0: I, I, I will do that because I, I'll tell you a very, very quick story. And I learned a lesson. Sometimes he listened to the show. Um, my book club member, Corey Combalander, he called me out on this one time. This was doing the Trayvon Martin thing. And they had show, and it, it, I had this thing to where if I don't feel like debating, I will pretty much let you get away with whatever you say because I, I just don't have the energy. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care to correct you. I don't know you. I don't talk to you. So we was like in this small little break room and they show like a young picture of Trayvon Martin. And this white chick was like, but he doesn't look like that. He, he, he's not, uh, he, he was much older than that picture. He was much bigger. And, you know, my coworker expected me to say something and I just, I just let it go. Like, I didn't feel like engaging her. Like at the end of the day, he was minding his own business. George Zimmerman should have minded his own and both would have been fine. And ever since then, I try not to let stuff slide. So if I hear something, I'm going to attack it and correct it. Um, but that's that's pretty much that and just everything else uh, Orazio said. That's what I will do for the so-called Byron is my friend, those type of people. When we have those conversations, I'm going to put out the facts. I'm going to lay it out there for them.
1: So you do have a few people that, you know, they might not necessarily be your friend, but it's at least a white associate that tries to engage in dialogue you know, whether right or wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. okay. And, but you feel, you do feel the need to like, Hey, let me stop you right here. Let me tell you why you, why you need to, not necessarily wrong, but you need to look, do some more research or look, look beyond what you, what you think, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, now that I will, I, when I say I, I don't feel like I need to teach them is I'm not going to bring it up. Like, I'm not going to start that conversation. But yeah, if they if they come left, if we're sitting around and they they bring up Trayvon or they want to talk about George Floyd and talk, try to talk about how he was resistant or something like that. I'm stopping it right there because, yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, we were on the fishing trip and oh, buddy, the fishing uh, guy was just like, you know, man, I hate that they're, you know, they're messing up all these um these monuments and and you know that makes no sense. And like, it, it, man, if you could, if there were crickets on the boat, like you would have heard the crickets because everybody looked at each other and we were like, "Is he really trying to go there?" And so and, you know he he changed the subject real quick and kind of backpedaled. Uh, you no, know, he, he took but, his
1: precious time. He didn't get it off. He didn't get it off. T- he no, nope, nope, he didn't, rise, And you kind of segued me into my answer. That's kind That's of the reason his, I answer answer this because I've had a
0: similar experience.
1: Because Ramio. he was going on <laughs> like he almost he pretty much almost said like not good boys like you like yeah. you know, he, <laughs> we we were the exceptional yeah, niggas.
2: He, didn't he use the, I have black no, friends? No, yeah, because he, he was, like, he he was ta- pretty, was pretty told much like him some niggas. friends, black.
1: <laughs> what do you guys? He's like, what do you guys do? <sighs> like, oh, I'm in banking, and HR, I'm in sales, I'm an engineer, I'm in finance. It was just like people, everybody was doing their thing, and it's like oh, y'all, y'all some uppity Negroes. You, you, you done booked out this fishing trip, you know, like, and so we weren't the black people that he was talking about. And so he he kept looking, fishing for straws and stuff like that. He was, he was looking for a friend because he even was, he started talking about monuments as a whole. Then he started kind of stretching it when he was talking about the, the 9-11 monument. It's like, uh, haven't heard about that one yet, but. Uh, man, he but they call him us, my... Pretty much call us The Exceptional Negroes The Negroes <laughs> And then on, he man. talked about Him being in His black friend's wedding What? All four times, Razzie? Yeah like he was, yeah. he was he was, looking for a way To connect And we're kind of like Nah, we're just gonna We're just gonna catch these fish And you just work for us And keep steering his boat And after <laughs> maybe Five minutes of trying And maybe it wasn't that long It seemed like that long About, you know about Probably two to three minutes Of trying It was like Nobody really responded because we were, we're vacationing and, but that's what made me ask his questions. Like what if his black friend knew he, he, I'm not saying the dude was racist. He seemed cool. Even though he kept trying, what did he say? Did we know (coughs) ASAP rock? Yeah. (laughs) Y'all listen to ASAP rock. We're sitting listening to, we're all old. We're listening to nineties hip hop and all this kind of, you know, early 2000s hip hop. And he's like, you know, ASAP Rock, can, can we play a little of that? like, I guess, you know, I mean, your boat. you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we play, like, two songs. And we're like, all right, yeah, like, back to Mickey. that like, 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 we 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 the rapper that Trump-free? It is.
0: Yeah, okay. That's probably oh, why you know him
1: then. Touché, yeah. touché, touché. So I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Um, and Trump probably called him ASAP Rock. And so yeah, that's where he, that's I probably think like, he did, yo. I think he did where, mess
0: up his neck. <laughs> that's probably where he got it from.
1: So it was just, it was just very awkward, and it was just like, not for me. It was kind of like I felt bad for him being like. I feel like at one point he tried to keep proving, keep proving himself. Like he was talking about his degrees and the stuff he has on the side, and we're like, "That's good, dude. We just, we just fishing." To to piggy, we about to. Turn?
0: i say to piggy to piggy on your question, I just want to say, if you do have so-called, you know, uh, white friends or whatever, don't let them get away with saying nigga. That's that's not cool. Don't let them. And, and I want to shout out another book club member of mine, uh, Todd Bond. We got a co-worker. So at my job, <laughs> we affectionately call other black people Tom. That's what we do. That's that's like our N word. We say, hey, Tom, you know, what I'm saying. But I guess this white coworker felt comfortable enough to where he started doing it.
1: He can't see the T and, word.
0: Yeah, he, no, he can't. And, and Bond called him out. He said, hey, "Man, what did you just say?" He's like, "Listen, I said Tom." Hey, he said, "Hey, man, no, that he he broke it down on why he shouldn't be saying it." And, and 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 I just that just reminded me of how many I think sometimes black people have white friends that allow them. To, to use that N word freely. and He cool, man. He don't mean nothing by it. He ain't racist. He wanted to go. No. In my opinion, no. Don't let him say it at all.
1: I agree. Agreed. But I think what made me ask the question was the fact that, like, this dude really had a freaking soliloquy on why he wasn't racist and why he, his black friend, he was in four of his weddings and all this stuff mm-hmm. and had to wear a platinum and what, purple suit and all this stuff. And like, it was just like, he had this whole story. We're like, dog, just let it go. But what if his friend knew he was the black friend and that he's using him? And it's like, my first duty as your black friend is to say, never tell people you have a black friend. Like yeah. that's just like, that's like rule number one.
0: And that, and that's what I was going to say that clearly their black friend hasn't corrected
1: them. Yeah, And that's why they're so comfortable saying that kind of stuff. But think about it. The black friend might not know they're their scapegoat. Yeah. You know, like think about it. there's people who think we're their black friend. I'm pretty sure there's somebody, I was talking to my black friend the other day and we were talking about Obama and like, there's people that think that they have that conversation with us and we're cool. And they, you know, they have some good conversations and they'll talk about how much they like, you know, this candidate or stuff like that. And we can have light banter. And when it comes to black issues or issues of race and they want to prove that they're in, they might use you guys as a scapegoat. And it's like weird. And then even further, like the people that ha- tr- truly have friends that might be trying to help it's like there's things. There, are there things that we need to be telling them? Like, you know, is there things that they need to know? They, they need to understand, because I think a lot of people just don't believe the reality of what it is to be black in America. Sad to say, uh, I think recent recent events have highlighted the blight plight even more. You know, what it is to be the fear and the things that we really deal about deal with in the community that can go unchecked and may still go un unpunished. I think they're starting to really, really see it and believe it. Um, so I'm done with my question, fellas, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you know if you're the black friend or not, but you probably are.
2: Probably are. Like like I said, I'm I'm sure I'm sure some associates have used me or they thought of me when they said I have a black friend because I mean, we're, like I said, I'm nice because we're cordial. I can talk and and I know how to debate and understand differences of opinion. So I'm not going to get mad or again, let anybody disturb my peace if they think a different way. I'm just gonna avoid you in that situation. I can be cordial with you and talk to you. Hey, Bob, as I go by in, in the office, but that's it. Bob, and you're the, and you're approachable. You're yeah. approachable.
1: Yeah. So, um, you're the ex- uh, now, exemplary
2: to any any of my white friends out there. Again, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you feel like you need to use that. As a defense that I have black friends, you have got, gone straight way too far into uh, right wing territory that you feel like you need to use that defense.
0: Yeah. That's a great so point. Don't
2: don't, yeah. don't don't say I have black friends. You, if you think that you need to use that, you need to ask the person you're talking to. All right. What did I just say? Because I feel like I need to defend myself. Like that's don't, it, don't that's even that's it right there.
1: You're like, yeah, you know like, what? I you feel know like what? I need to defend myself. I did something. Let's back it up. What? what, what, what this, this, this this is going in the wrong direction. Exactly. When I talked to my black friend, he told me if I ever need felt the need to use this, then I've done something wrong. Am Am I not invited to the cookout anymore? So yeah. exactly,
2: exactly. Like what? But yeah. because that, like you talked about, that's how the conversation happens and we can get past it so if you do want to really understand what black people are feeling or minority i'm not even gonna say black people minorities are feeling when you get to the point where you f- you're feeling that way you need to ask what did you do what did you say and really sit back and listen to what they are saying because the problem so often is that you're trying to defend yourself instead of really and 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 rebut what the person's saying and and you're trying to undermine what they're saying when they say that what you what you did is racist, because I've said it a couple of times on here. The only person that can tell you how it affects them is the affected person. You can't tell somebody how something makes them feel. So if a black person was like, yo, that's racist. If a Native American says that's racist, if an Asian American or Asian says what you're saying is racist, if Asians say Wuhan virus is racist, it's racist because they feel some type of way when you say it. So because when we say cracker, we know it's racist. We mean it to be racist. (laughs) So, True. so that, that, let's let's throw it out there. If we say cracker, we meant it to be racist. Just like we know, if you slip the N word out, you meant it to be racist. You might've said it when you got mad and you don't say it all day long and all the time. But when you say the N word, you meant it and you meant it to be racist. So don't try to clean it up after.
0: Hey, Rosie, if they're singing their favorite uh, rap song, is it
2: okay for them to say the N word then? That, we, I think we've had that one. All, uh, we talked about that <laughs> for me. Depending on the person and everything, I I don't see a problem with it. It's a no for if me. They're singing a rap song. No, a no. And and it comes out.
0: No, you censor yourself.
2: You pretend you <laughs> pretend you are MTV
0: or VH1. and You censor yourself if you're around me. Don't don't say that word. No, no.
2: Yeah, yeah we have to
1: do it. We have to do it every I know, day. Because
2: you you day. don't even like uh, Latinos to use it, right? No, nope. like you won't even let Fat Joe Hell use it. No, no.
0: J Lo, she
2: used that shit now.
0: Hey. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. It's on oh, you do, All
2: right. So uh I'll I'll go around these uh same lines then. I um I was in I think I was looking at one of the hashtag hashtag uh being professional as black or something like that, and people were talking about being black in, oh, it was black in academia. That's what it was. So uh, black in academia, they were talking about going to conferences and stuff like that and being one of three or four black people at the conference and automatically looking for the black person and and going to sit by them or just trying to find somebody that you click with. And I thought about it even from, and I, I know I have a lot of uh, ALI listeners uh, in that group and it is... It, I didn't even think about it, but thinking back on it now, I did it naturally there too. You know, it's like you just kind of click up and you, and you do it. So my question to you guys is when you go into new spaces or new areas, or you, you know, find a new job or, or new, uh, anything, uh, where there's going to be a group of people. Do you look for the black person, the other black person, do you just kind of give them the nod and y'all acknowledge each other? Or do you like actually just go sit by them and be like, yep. (laughs) You my conference buddy. Boom, what's up? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I remember doing this all the way back as a kid. Like I went, you know, me and Ferg both went to Phillips and that's just how you chose your lunch table. You have your tray of food, you look around. Ah, that table got the most black people you're going to sit there. <laughs> now I'm at the age, I'm definitely going to give get ahead Um I may or may not, you know, intentionally sit near them, but it's definitely going to be some type of acknowledgement, man. It's just like a, it's almost like a comfort level, man. When you see someone that, that looks like you, because we've, we said it before on the show, we're only 13% of this country, man. So <laughs> it's a lot of places we're not at. So when we see, mm-hmm. you know I mean? <laughs> we got to show a little love, man. So uh, that that's pretty much, yeah. What I do, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy, especially like if it's a room full of 40 and, like, 35 are white, <laughs> and and you and four other people are black, oh, hell yeah, you definitely going to find a way to sit near them, give them the head <laughs> nod or something, man. Where y'all going to lunch at? <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, no doubt, bro, no doubt.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. But I, but I think the good thing about me, and this is going to bring in HBCUs at some point, is I think growing up, especially in Dallas and then moving to to Phillips, you know, go back to Mobile and going to Phillips and Lafleur, and all going, finally making the fam. I feel comfortable in all situations. So I, I've, I've been the black kid in most situations for so long. Even when I first got to Phillips, like I was, I my my, my I'm say my freshman sixth grade, I was cool with both black and white. Like I don't know, do you remember Ann Barker? Uh, Byron
0: sounds familiar. Yeah. Like was you know, one of white
1: girls. She stayed. I forgot where she stayed, but I remember last day of school, sixth grade, I got invited to her house for a last day of school party. So we were in her guest house, but like we were in her <laughs> guest house. And I was, I think I was the only black kid that either got invited or came. I think it might've been, might've been Leslie Yates or Sandy were invited, but they didn't come. So it ended up being me. Like, I was just used to, I was okay with being with white kids and around, right, around white people. So it didn't really, didn't really bother me. And I say that because I think most black people are okay. We, we've, because like, we're, the, we're always a minority in the long run. We learn how to deal with being in the white world. And yeah. so a lot of times people want to back HBCU, bash HBCUs because like it doesn't prepare you for the real world. You know, you're not going to go to a professional world and everybody's going to be black. Like, yeah, but I grew up for the last 18 years and the rest of my life will be around. Uh, I'm going to be the minority. So if I have a four year period to kind of be the majority, I'm going to enjoy it. So once again, a plug for HBCUs. But it depends on the environment for work, because I know I'm being watched like I don't want to and maybe that's a strategic move I make, but like, I don't want to be the typical, like, you see all the black people are gathered together. <laughs>
2: hmm. Interesting.
1: You know, like I want to be able to see like, okay, Tavares is sitting by me today, or he's sitting by this person, or he's like, hey, he's able to move uh, move around the room. And that's what helped me get promoted. That's what helped me. I was okay going against the grain, but still, I'm gonna acknowledge you. I'm gonna give you the head nod. Like if we have a break every call it hour, so this hour I'm gonna holler at Buff and Risey. Like the the next hour break, I'm going to talk go to talk to Bob. So Bob, you know, you know, <laughs> right. that very interesting. They mentioned this is this because I've been having some challenges with that in my you know like my, in my territory. Like I'm gonna play the game. I'm gonna move around, but I never try to um, limit my 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 circle. Now for one, because I'm playing the game. And I think that's the key thing mm-hmm. is to understand I'm playing the game. Like if we went to something that's social, like perfect example, if we, if we did a, if we're at a conference and I'm doing, we're in the classroom or doing whatever we're in, the seminar, whatever the case may be, I'm moving around. After hours, when it's time to release for the day and people are going to get a drink, you know, I'm going to sit with it at the bar. That's why I'm going to like, right. what y'all, where y'all going? Man, I heard they got a club over here. They got this spot over here. So I'm gonna be around my people. But too at the same time, I'm like, we're, if it's a, a group event, I'm like, yeah, I'll be back. Let me go holler at Bob again real quick, you know, just to play the game mm-hmm. because
2: gotta play the game. None yeah. of y'all are
1: about to go holler at Bob, so I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the black friend today. You know, so that's probably the reason Bob thinks I'm his black friend because I keep walking away from my other friends and, but. I don't know. I don't know. It is a very interesting question. If you, I would, if we just watch how we have to play the game. Like especially now, I'm the only black person in the sales division. Only other black person in our, in our group is a, uh, um, in logistics. And you know, I do the nod. We kind of ho- we chop it up a little bit, but we still haven't made that connection like that. So when I go to our working functions now, I'm on my own. You know, so, uh, but I still yeah. got to play the game. And I, I, but it was funny is when you, if you realize when you're one of the only black people, a lot of times people gravitate towards you. If you're approachable, they gravitate towards you as well. Like mm-hmm. they they want, they want to be in that inner circle. Like I'm maybe, you know, maybe it's cool points or a bet or something they got going on. Well, I'm cool with the black guy. Come on, Tavaris, <laughs> man, it's too early to go in. No, dude. Like, I can't be the 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 drunk or hungover black guy in the meeting tomorrow. You guys blend in, I don't. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> No, that I mean it, that's it right there. It it's it's situational for me. If I know anybody in the room, I I think I can give the nod. So, you know, I I, I can be like, I see you. I see you over there. I got you. We we'll link up at some point throughout this conference or throughout the day at this training, like Ferg said, we might chop it up at the at one break or a couple breaks. And then yeah, where y'all going to lunch? Where y'all going after this? Like when we release where where are we going? But while I'm in the meeting, if I know a couple of people or if I'm in the conference, then yeah, I could I can move. Not necessarily just from playing the game. I mean, one, I'm mixed, but on top of that, like Ferg said, I've I've learned to move in both of those. So I'm comfortable in either one of these situations. But if it's if it's a room that you walk in and you don't know anybody in that room, you're going to look for familiarity. And the cl- first thing that I can be familiar with is that that color, like because I automatically assume they're co- they come from the diaspora, at least. And we have some shared common bonds. So. That's that's just kind of that first thing that you're gonna go, and I and I don't think there's an issue with it because that's what people look for. They look for familiarity, they look for comfort level, and so you, you automatically do that. And and I I think white people do the same because if you've ever been in a and sitting down and you're like one of the first people at the conference or at the training, uh, not often that the white people are gonna come sit right next to you. Everybody's gonna spread out and everything, and then you know those, those seats will kind of start filling in where they have no choice but to come sit next to you.
1: That's perfect on a plane, bro. I see that when I'm, I fly Southwest, Southwest all the time for my job, and I will be like, "Damn, these niggas just gonna pass this seat up like, like I got the plague. Like they they will go, they'll double up just not to sit by the black guy. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's funny you say that.
2: Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, don't want to call anybody out like they're racist or anything like that. Again, I think it's just nature of looking for familiarity, and so I I I I want to put that disclaimer out there because I, I don't want people to feel like we're calling everybody racist. Every white person isn't racist, but it does happen, and 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 maybe you know our, our white listeners out there make a conscious effort to come sit by us, be the first person to sit by us, even if there's empty seats. You know, and, and and strike up a conversation. We, you know I mean, we're, we're approachable. We're nice. But we are the good ones, though. So yeah. I don't,
1: the exceptional you know. Negro strikes again. <laughs> That's a good point, though, you know, but I have to actually make a conscious effort sometimes, even when I'm because I being in sales, you'll walk into these random conferences and rooms and stuff like that. And you just have to be comfortable. Breaking the ice and being different. You know, like I'll go to an a APIC meeting or something like that and like I'll go sit at the table that doesn't look like I should be there just to show that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm comfortable being here. You know, like I'm not going to sit at the table with all the black nurses just because it's like, OK, I'm going to sit this. I'm going to sit over here with Karen. There's a bunch of Karens over there. And um, but it's interesting. I like, I ha- But I have to make a conscious effort. I would be more comfortable going to that other table, but I have to you know, play the game once again. So good question, bro.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And it's like, um, I was just going to say real quick, white people that hear this may, you know, razio you kind of cleared it up, but they don't have to consciously think about that. They are rarely in a situation to where they have to seek out someone that looks like them. Like maybe on the rare occasion, if you're like um, Susanna who attended LaFleur, where it's a predominantly black high school, And you're the minority white people, but that's like rare. Most of the time, white people can go to any function, any meeting, anywhere, any gathering, and it's gonna be more of them than us. So they never really have to make that conscious effort,
1: and they usually choose to be there. Like it's it's it's, something that they're aware of. They know that you know I'm going to this NAACP meeting, so I'm probably gonna be the only white person there, or one of the few. So yeah. it's not like you just walk in the room like, shit, ain't no black. <laughs> you know, like, it's, you know, like. <laughs>
0: that's funny because that's exactly how we feel.
1: You just get in the room, like, you like, okay. like. And then you like, size that. him up like, oh, man. He, 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 ain't, he ain't about that life. He ain't about that life. Oh, you know, like, oh, yeah. So, and that's how it is. I yeah, go, you funny. know. <laughs> sailed up in the happy hours and all that kind of stuff and I scan the room and I just I eventually make my way. And that that might be it. I might not start there. I might make my way there, but I got to I got to work the room to show that I got I, I'm diverse. So.
2: Mhm. <laughs> that's that's the playing the game. So, uh again, listeners, if if you haven't been in these corporate functions and stuff like that before, just know you have to play the game. So, again, give the head nod, give the acknowledgement, but go work the room. Uh and make your way to that person. Later or link up with them first, but still go and leave and go work the room. Don't hang out in your little black circle the entire conference and not, you know, do anything and then think and then be wondering why you're not getting promoted and why you're not getting selected for anything. It's because you can't move in the environment that they want you to be able to move in.
0: Remember, we have to adapt to two worlds. So just keep that in mind. So I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna end the show with a quote, boring question. It's a very boring question and topic, but it's very, very important. So I hope the listeners can appreciate and understand it. And I do feel like you two, really all three of us, but especially you two, are the best suited to answer this question. Now, Ferg, on several occasions you have mentioned how your credit was bad. And you know, thanks to the advice of Razio and you, just really, you know, finding your way, you were able to fix it. And you're like at an 800 now. Am I correct? That is correct. Yes, and Razio, you have always been someone that has, you know, focused on finance and credit. So, what I want to ask you guys today—this is a very unusual question for the show—is I want I want Fur to go first, in the in the best way you can. Tell the listeners how you fix your credit. And Razio, because you're such a financial guru, follow up on him on how to keep good credit. You kind of did this on a a very early episode of Politically Entertaining. So you may want to regurgitate some of that. And I'm someone also like Ferg, you've mentioned it, but I've never really mentioned it. I'm someone that had like a 536 credit score at one time. And now I'm not quite where you're at. I'm like in the 750s. But um, So I think we all can speak on it, and it's something that's very important because if the listeners don't know, which everyone should know, you got bad credit, you're paying extra for a lot of different things. Your car, mm-hmm. any anything you got to borrow money for, you're paying more than the three of us if you got bad credit. So if you will, fur, take and, it. Rise a follow-up. And, follow up.
1: and wow. jobs now are looking at your credit. If you're looking for some real jobs, they're looking at that because they look at It's like a trust name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I actually. Yeah,
2: my bank, my bank, if you can't pass a a credit check, you can't work at a lot of banks.
1: Yeah. Sales, anything like that. So I was actually on a a conference call for the international international youth leadership conference for our fraternity uh, because I'm a mentor. And Regions Bank did a portion. They were talking about credit scores and stuff like that. And one of the last things they mentioned was I don't know if you guys call it the same thing is they call it they, they call it the four C's, but they talk about character. And basically your character is your credit score, because as a banking institution, they judge you on your character or your decision making. So that's what character is like. It's your your credit score is your financial resume. And I think step one to improving your credit is. Understanding that you have bad credit and you and focusing on doing something about it. So I was one of those people that I would get bills in the mail throw it in the trash because I can't pay it or I wasn't worried about it. I got phone calls. I'm dodging calls. Like you have to, you have to acknowledge it. You have to commit to making a change and saying, I got to figure out why the hell they're calling me, how much I really owe. And the worst part of it, a lot of times was I made that decision too late. It was, I would call them the month after they've been calling me for six months and they were willing to work with me. And now I was hitting my credit report or it's hidden, you know, going into collections or whatever the case may be. Like I, I was doing those things too late. So the first thing is to acknowledge it. It's like, hey, I got I got to fix it. And um, I think the sec- to me, the second thing was understanding credit, like truly sitting down and understanding what affects your credit, like understanding credit, credit utilization, understanding payment history, understanding not just what the principles are, but what the metric, the metrics they use. Because at first I started just understanding the principles. But when I started understanding the metrics, like I talked to a lot of people about credit and I use this prime example and Risey, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I use, and I use this as my go-to because it's easy for everybody. If the, the scores are not necessarily hundred percent accurate, but it gives you a basis of what your credit score is, and that's Credit Karma. So anybody can download a Credit Karma app, go to get a Credit Karma account, and they make it very simple. So when I tell people to do that, I'm like, if I said, Byron, if if I paid 95% of my bills on time over the last seven years, what would you think? Does that sound like I'm doing a good job? Yes. According to Credit Karma and what I see, that is false. Like those things not, stay on your 95, ninety-five ain't high enough. huh? Ninety-five. <laughs> if you look at their metrics, ninety-five is not even on the board. Anything under ninety-nine is considered less than less than good. So, and, they, and the thing about it, banks look at usually about a two-year run rate. So, yeah, you made miss some payments four or five years ago. That's one thing, but my last mispayment fell off my credit report in March of 2020 because I missed a payment in March of 2013. It literally just fell off my credit report. Mm-hmm. So understanding like, Hey, 95% of stuff is not good. Like, so understand what's, what their metrics are, what's reporting to the credit bureau, like truly understanding those things and working on those and committing to them. Like, Hey, you know, I'm not saying you got, you're going to pay all your bills on time, but Hey, this credit card reports every month. This student loan reports every month. Oh, my, my, uh, my T, my T-Mobile might not. So it's not reporting the credit bureau. So if I miss that payment, not telling you to miss a payment is not as harmful as something reporting. Like you got to make those choices. You have to understand mm-hmm. what's reporting to the credit bureau. And Roger's like, to ask me like, dog, what's on your credit report? What's what, what are the negative things? And I would just I, I, I didn't know. And I'm sitting looking at stuff when I really made that, 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 that commitment. I'm like, so I have a $67 bill and collection.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's killing me. Or I have $120. dollars <laughs> i owe Comcast $120 because I don't return a box in time. Killing me. And just understanding those things and really attacking it and developing those good habits. Like, Razia, will tell you, I'm probably anal about my credit. You got on me what, about a few weeks ago because I had somebody make a mistake and report some stuff off my credit, and it dropped me 40 points. And he's like, what if 40 points dropped you to? I'm like, "Uh, 769. Like, I was pissed, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but I check my credit constantly. I check my credit every week just to make sure there's nothing going on that's going to mess it up because I worked so hard to get there. And I'll tell you, I just I bought a house five years ago. I just got credit good enough to qualify for a house five years ago. I was six twenty something five years ago. Now it's eights across the board. Once you start developing those good habits and understanding what real credit is and not listening to mom and dad and everybody telling you, oh, just keep keep your credit card under 30% and you'll be okay. Yeah, that's that's not bad. That's good, but under 10% is better. Two to 3% is mm-hmm. even best. You know, like those are things they take into consideration. Like, just don't listen to the average person. Go in and figure it out for yourself. And there's things that'll tell you exactly what you need to do and what the metrics are. Understand so, the metrics.
0: So, so, Ferg, your score was that low. What made you even want to? do better? Like, why didn't you just say, man, you know, for, F it, forget it. it. It is what it is. I don't care.
1: Because I felt like I deserved better. I feel like I worked so hard. I overcame so many things. And at the end of the day, I would want to go do something. And it was a slap in my face to remind me of all the bad decisions I made. And I committed to making good decisions. So for those that don't know, when I, I had a, uh, my 30th, uh, my 30th birthday was a rude awakening for me. My 30th birthday, I couldn't, Z had just moved up here. I can afford to take her out to buy a drink or anything like that. One of my friends or two of my friends actually took me and her out for my 30th birthday. And I made right. a pact with myself by the age oh. of 35 that I was going to turn my life completely around when it came to finances. I was going to marry her. I was going to buy a house. There were certain things I had on my agenda. So I was motivated. And so okay. by that, by 35, I had a good job. Uh, I was married she was pregnant with my daughter. I was getting ready to buy. No, she already had my, I already had my daughter. She, we were getting ready to buy a house. I was going to take my mom on her first vacation. Like I paid for my mom for a vacation. All these things were all my checklist. Push yourself, like reward yourself for doing those things. People getting credit, good credit. is not as hard as you think. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's understanding those things and work on it. Like I pay my credit card. I'm anal. I pay my credit card three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Cause I pay, I use my credit card. Like I use, like I use you my did. debit card. Ryza used to yeah. cuss me out. Like, yeah. dude, you use your debit card for anything, get your credit card and build your credit. And plus you can get eventually get something that gives you reward points, you know, yeah. cause I'll have, I'll have a $500 credit card and I'll spend all the money on my debit card and then I'll be paying the minimum balance on my credit card. It's like, dude, just pay it off and use it. Like if you can't buy it, with your credit card, then you probably don't need to buy it. If you don't have that money in your account, you probably don't need to buy it. That was what I initially did. Like I, I, am I get nervous when I sit, see a balance in my card. Um, I pay my card note weekly. Like I don't want, like I don't want to miss any payments. And so like I got addicted to getting my credit better. So that that's a little overboard, Mm. but it helped me get an 800.
2: Brother Risey, what you got? Man, um it it's it's a lot to unpack with credit, but I'll I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. The first thing like Ferg said is pulling a credit report and knowing where you are. Because until until you know what the lay of the land is, you can't fix it. Yeah. You know, every, everybody's like, "Oh, I got to fix my credit, but like Ferg even said it, they're, they're scared or they just don't want to pull the trigger to actually pull the credit report to see how bad it is. And, and truthfully, a lot of times if, if you pull it, you'll see, it's not as bad as you think. And, and, and it's, I'm not saying it's cheap to get out of it, but it's, if you are meticulous about it, you can get out of pretty much any situation. It's very, very rare that you're like, Oh, and, and I've had those situations where you'd be like, yeah, bankruptcy might work for you. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it, it might work for you. But you need to be able to look at that credit report and look at your income. First step in maintaining credit is just not overspending. So if I, I, you get a lot of people that are like, I can't get on auto debit or, or or I'm scared to get on that auto debit because it might overdraw my account, that means that you've you've overspent. That means that your bills are too much for your monthly you know, income. And so pull that credit report, take a look at it. I tell everybody the biggest thing is look at those collections. If there's something small on there, go ahead and knock that out. If it's a $30 collection from T-Mobile or something, knock that out. Get that off of your credit report, because once you pay it off, the collection still going to show and bring your credit report down for another year to two years. But you need to go ahead and, and knock that out so that it starts to fall off where they're not even paying attention to it. Like Ferg said about, you know, banks go back about two to three years and anything before that is not as serious. So that's why you want to try to get that collection paid off and, and and out where nobody's even paying attention. Credit report after seven years, things drop off. So what I do always tell everybody is look at the credit report. And if you have a collection or something that's five years, six years old, screw it, leave it on there and let it fall off. I don't care if it's ten, fifteen thousand $15,000, you just know that in two years or in a year, your credit is going to be great. So, so again, it's one of those things that don't be like, oh man, I got to pay this $10,000 off. And it, it, you know, from five years ago, six years ago, man, they just gonna have to keep calling me and trying because, uh, I ain't paying that one. You know, so be smart (laughs) about it. And don't
1: engage them because what happens when you engage them?
2: Yeah, they can reset the clock because they're like, oh, yeah, you talk to us. And and so they can go in and be like, oh, we'll start the collection. Like they'll try to a lot of times. And that's another reason why you need to be pulling your credit report is they'll try to sell the collection. And when they sell it, that new collection agency will try to continue to and and try to reset the clock on the seven years uh, and try to continue to uh, to to call you. So. That's one of the things is if your initial debt was over seven years ago and it's still on your credit report, you can dispute that and they have to pull it off. Because if you have proof of the initial (laughs) debt, you can make them pull it off, even if it's been sold and sold and they're trying to extend it. So that's what some of the games they play. with trying to keep things on your credit report. Free game. As far as, yeah, as far as payment history goes, that's the other big part of uh, your credit um, file. Two years of good payment history. Uh, where you haven't missed anything is is huge. I mean, that'll get you up into the the six hundred fifty seven hundred pretty quickly. So again, that's why I always put that five year uh, anything that's over five years or near five years. Don't worry about paying it off on the collection side because what you're looking at is you have a vision or a, a clear okay. In two years, my credit's going to be good. I'm gonna hit that eight hundred in two years. So now you say all right, if I got anything that's a slow pay or it's behind, you want to try to uh, pay to catch it up and then set it up on either auto pay. Like first said, pay weekly, pay up, do something where that you can make sure that you're, pay- you're paying on time going forward. And then the third one is the credit utilization. That's where Ferg was talking about keeping your credit or your credit card below 30%. Yes. Tw- 10% is better, but if you can get under 30, you can get into the 650 seven hundreds. And so, you know, it, Everybody wants that 800 score, but anything over 720 changes nothing. So 720 is really the gold standard. If you hit 720, you're getting the best rates out there. You know, you can go in and get a car without putting a deposit down. You know, you can do all that stuff that that anybody who's running a credit, if you want to get an apartment or something, they're not going to make you pay a deposit uh, based on your credit for uh, things. So that's the big thing. So if you can keep it under 30, you, you should get to the point where you have what we consider good credit may not be excellent. It might not be the best to get, to be able to get into the seven twenties and the eight hundreds, you're going to have to get that utilization down under that 10%, that 20 to 10%, or if you can just pay it off every month. So that's how credit cards work in it or debt utilization. A lot of people think that having a lot of loans will lower your credit score, but it won't uh, actually having a lot of loans works because if you don't have any credit, you actually don't aren't going to have a good credit score. So people be like, oh, I, I just use cash. Well, OK, but when you want to go buy a house or a car, you're going to ha- end up with a 600 score or a 550 score because you don't have a credit history for them to look at. So you need loans, you need things. And the credit bureau doesn't know your income. So you can have. Ten thousand dollars a month in loan payments on your on your credit. As long as you're making the payments on time every month, your credit score can still be very high. So don't think, oh, if I have a car note and my house note and I'm going to go get another car note and I have a small loan or something, that's too much debt Um, because having debt makes sense when we go into the investment side of it. So just being debt free actually puts us in a, a little bit of a disadvantage for being able to actually leverage our money and grow it. So that's, that's part two of your financial thing, but for just for credit wise, just make sure that you're paying on time, your collections, you knock those out uh, and don't worry about it and have a vision of when you want your credit score to hit that excellent point. Uh, And then just know that if, if you know, those collections are going to fall off in the next year or two, don't even worry about paying them off.
1: And I'll, I'll, I'm gonna leave you with this. Um, when I really started working on my credit and we kind of uh, bashed the church a few weeks ago, I guess for some. I've heard some people say we did that. But uh, the reason I did like the church I went to uh, was a pastor deliver, pastor would pastor would deliver good messages. One of the things he really focused on was you reap what you sow. And so often we get discouraged because we'll try to make a change. And we assume because we want to make a change that the world's going to change with us. So you're trying to get your credit together. You're trying to do all this stuff. And it's like, your, your score just won't go up. You can't get approved for anything, but you're 35, 40 years old, but you made bad credit decisions for 30 years. It's not going to change overnight. You have to realize mm-hmm. that you planted those bad seeds of credit or you sowed those bad seeds of credit for so long they're going to take. They're going to take root, and they're going to grow. So you have to deal with that harvest. You have to. You have to deal with that. But now you have to realize you got. You got to start planting those Those great or good credit habit seeds, and eventually they're going to grow too. And if you don't continue to water and nurture those bad credit habits, it's going to die. And the only thing that's going to be in your harvest is good credit. So it took a while. Like I said, I kept like felt like I was fighting bad credit for so long. And then slowly those things just started falling off the little collections that I had. And I knew when they were going to fall off, when inquiries were going to fall, inquiries were going to fall off. Everything was going to fall off. March, 2020, I knew my last missed payment was going to fall off. And after a while, all my bad credit decisions had died. And all I knew reaping is great credit decisions, So don't get discouraged. And that's one thing he would tell us, like, if you do bad for so long, you try to make a change. So many of us get pulled back into the bad habits because we don't start seeing that fruit from good stuff. We just planted. You know, so hopefully that wasn't too biblical or too philosophical, whatever the case may be. But that's I think that's something that discourages a lot of people.
0: Real quick, Razzie, before I get into my answer, what's the website that people can use to check their credit for free? Do you remember? Uh,
2: annualcreditreport.com
0: Okay. Dot com because I think there's one that's called dot gov and that's not free. It's like it's just like the one that's dot com. So use the one that he says specifically. Do annual-
1: that and he's used to check me every year to make sure I did that. So I pull my credit report <clears throat> once a year but I also kept close to something that I could monitor it for free uh, like, like uh, Credit Karma because they also give you suggestions Because a lot of people are trying to get Everybody's solution to getting better credit is getting credit cards and stuff like that. So it gives you suggestions on credit cards, paying off certain debt, making certain moves, told me to refinance my car, told me to consolidate my student loans and stuff like that. And those mm-hmm. things help me. So there's apps out there to help you freely start improving your credit.
2: And so, yeah, you can get um, it, it, they, they actually uh, a part of the uh, Consumer Protection Bureau and, and, and the Dodd-Frank. So now. Any credit card that you have, you can go to their site and they'll give you uh, your credit score free, as well as uh, if you go to like Mint.com. Mint's a good budgeting uh, tool you can use. uh, Log into there and you can get your credit report from there or your credit score from there as well. Yeah. And
0: I I mentioned that because even if you have great credit like like Ferg and Rozzy, you still want to check it from time to time because false things can be on there. You know people mm-hmm. steal identities and things all the time and take out stuff in your name, like my wife has been battling that for years um she she constantly gets things that are in her mom's name or in her first name and her and her mom's last name, even though her last name is Evans now, so she's constantly battling and getting things taken off of her credit so don't just sit back and say, man, I'm good. I pay everything on time. I'm good. No, it can be stuff on there that you didn't even authorize. But similar to Ferg, you know, I had a low credit score and I I just didn't give a damn. And I think that's pretty much what Ferg said too. I got the first credit card I got in the mail was Discover. And it was like a few months after I turned 18. And I I looked at it, it was like a thousand dollar credit limit, which was a lot of money to me back then. And I was like, wait a minute. So I got a thousand dollars, and all I got to pay is fifteen dollars a month. Shit, man! <laughs> I went and got a cam card, dog. I balled out with that little card, man. It, to me, it was like free money, and I didn't give a d- about any of it. I had so many cards, from gas cards to credit cards, and I just finally said, you know, kind of like Ferg, you know, you just had this epiphany, like, yo, I need to do better. Like, I'm going to eventually want better things. I need to do better. And I used a service that I probably didn't even need looking back on it. I was young. I was in my early twenties, but pretty much all they did was consolidated all the cards I had. I gave them this company a certain amount of month and they dispersed it to the cards. On top of that, I paid them a fee. So all I could if I had the discipline, I could have just did that with the credit cards I had and didn't have to pay a fee that I paid this company. I think it was like debt-free at the time. I think that's the name of the company. But, you know, I just think it's important to have, like I said, it's it's a boring question, I'm sure, to some people. But for those of you that are, you know, on that fine line of bad credit, good credit, I feel like it was a great conversation to have. And, you know, for us, we need every leg up we can get, man. We're black. So, if you have great credit, that that at least gives you a chance at a lot of things and, and keeps you from having to pay extra money on a lot of the necessities that we need. So I appreciate you, too, you know, just going through detail, everything that's needed to be done to have great credit. And I hope the listeners, I really hope the listeners got something from this. Like Razio, I said you was on Politically Entertaining and you mentioned a lot of the same stuff. Like com is something new. Uh, The credit card company that you have, like getting a free credit score from them, that's something new. So I hope the listeners got something from it. Apply it. Use it. Because if we're talking about, you know, um, rising up, it's going to take more than protesting and stuff. We're going to have to be financially sound. And if your credit is bad, (laughs) nobody has to listen to you. You got to do what they say. You know what I'm saying? If you have a great credit, trust me, if you have great credit, you go in there and buy a car, it is such a great feeling if you have a great credit versus bad credit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they treat you differently, but too. That, you know that they, they, they be like bringing you water yeah, and stuff man. Like, 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 yeah. hey, So I got, I got Wells Fargo at three, and I got, uh, you know, you, you USA at this, and uh, B of eight, they're giving you uh 2.8, yes. but, uh, yes. you know, so, so which one do you want to go? With uh and I mean it's it's totally different when you go to that finance director. Uh, you're not sweating. because uh, I, I remember being there that first time, you know, trying to get a car. You are not you sweating, like, oh, I hope I get approved.
1: <laughs> that 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 is actually the perfect. My idea of good credit growing up was getting approved. It wasn't the rate. That's how I knew my credit was good or bad. If I applied for something, I got approved. My credit was good. I didn't know the score, didn't need to know the score. And if I didn't, my credit was bad. And all I da- did was get that that uh, letter in the mail telling me that I didn't get approved for whatever reason. They might even have the score on it. I didn't know. I just threw it away. It just became so commonplace. And I just <laughs> knew that I just I wouldn't have to get I can't get any furniture for another year, year and a half. So uh, we've all been there, man. We've all been there. Yeah. Just don't get discouraged. Make a commitment to yourself. Because I tell people all the time, good credit is a pay raise. You you get. Yeah. I remember just a few years ago when I started with ADP, I had just bought the Sonata, uh, Haley's new car, and the rate I had on the car, what I was paying for my Sonata was the same rate that one of my coworkers, who had excellent credit, was paying for her. Maybe I'll say at least three Series BMW, brand new. We we're paying the exact same thing. I'm paying probably eight, 9% and she's paying uh, a brand new, probably 0% on the car. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. and I think that was another thing like, man, I got to get my credit together. I'm over here struggling, trying to pay this Sonata note and she paying exact same thing for a a brand new BMW. Got to get it together.
2: Yeah. And, and uh, one, one more thing I want to throw in there. Byron mentioned, you know, like he consolidated credit cards and everything. I want to just throw out there the, the, idea of what we call snowballing. So I know a lot of people that may have four, five, six different credit cards and they're trying to put a little extra on every one of them for some reason. Cool. You know, next that you pay the minimum that payment on every last one of them except for one of them. My advice is always pay it on whatever's the smallest one. Um so then that one you you can pay it off in maybe four or five months. And then whatever payment that you had or that you were sending to that credit card, you just roll over to the next smallest one with the minimum that you were paying on that, plus whatever you got freed up from the credit card you paid off. And that's what we call snowballing. So eventually you can get them all paid off instead of you trying to pay every last one of them down just a little bit. So that's another thing that uh, you need to do. And you can do that with anything. It doesn't just have to be credit cards. It can be car notes. Houses. It can be anything. But if you're if you're paying extra on a lot of different things, you're wasting your time. Pay extra on and and consolidate that extra payment into whatever you think you can pay off the fastest. So that's the other part about trying to pay it down and and getting caught up. But again, it's you want to pay, pay everything up to where you're paying on time. Again, you don't have anything that's, you know, 20, 30 days, 90 days late. Once you get everything caught up, pay the minimums on everything. And then you snowball with that one thing that you're trying to pay off
1: and keep it going. So now you'll pay two things off. And I started, that's how I kind of, that's how I got a lot of things freed up. And so now I consolidate now. I have multiple credit cards, but only use one. And so the key to the game is discipline. You got to have a plan and then discipline. Like you just really, because what happens is you'll pay that car note off or those those credit cards off. And then you want to go buy another car, go buy, put Mm -hmm. something else in a credit card, go buy, you know, a new TV on your Best Buy account or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't help you. You know, if you if you got bad credit and you just got out of a bad situation, don't put yourself in another bad situation. But I'm done. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you 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 should never be putting TVs or anything like that on your credit card. Like you you, you if you're putting on a credit card, it should be because you you want the points and you need to be, be paying it off at the end of the month. Like those are the things that don't you don't use credit for. <laughs> you know. Unless you so get your just-
1: interest-free Account like Best Buy or something, because I'm all about interest free, and especially if you're trying to establish credit and getting. Uh, oh yeah,
2: time value of money, baby. Yeah, yeah you give me you yeah. give me money for six yeah. months, cool. I'll take it.
1: yeah. Especially, yeah. especially oh, people that are trying to build their credit and open new accounts and stuff like that. Those are valuable, especially you know yeah. being new and trying to build your house and all that stuff. Those things can really help out. Interest free Best Buy oh, card or
2: something like that. For, for, let's be honest here folks that are trying to build their credit aren't getting six months interest-free. Oh, I, I digress. <laughs> those listen. are good credit problems. Please, please make sure
0: you're getting something for your credit card. Like one of the perks of using your credit card instead of your debit card, like for me, is flight miles. Like, you know, I had got, I had got up to enough miles to where I could have went to uh Canes. Is it Canes or Cons? One of them, Keynes, France, you know what I'm saying? But you know, COVID happened. So I'm not, I'm not leaving the country, but make sure you're just getting some type of points or rewards for your credit card. If you can, (laughs) I see you Ferg. I see you big dog, but that's all I wanted to say, man. I just appreciate y'all too weighing in on this. And like I said, I hope the listeners got something from it.
1: Another great episode, fellas. It was fun. Enlightening. I think it was, we didn't get too angry. I don't know, I don't know. I don't remember. I
0: don't think we got angry at all. Yeah. Look at us. Just look well, at us. Wait, We still got the parting shots. So <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's how we'll we we'll we'll get see. last show. Speaking <laughs> of, who wants to take <laughs> us out? Who's, who's who's coming up next? What's on your I mind? Could go,
2: um, I could go unless Rosie wants to. I, I I can I can start us. Um, so I don't I guess when this drops, it'll be the week of Jenica's birthday. So I just want to say You know, posthumously, but happy birthday, babe. Uh, July 25th. So Saturday, the family's coming over. You know, my family's coming up or whatever. We're going to try to enjoy this, but as much as possible and just remember her. So I just wanted to say happy birthday to her, even on the show again. So love you um, like always. But that's all I got.
0: To piggyback on that, uh, those of you who have been rocking with us from day one, If I'm not mistaken, it was the first or second episode where Orazio was in Hawaii with Jenica celebrating her her birthday at the time. So we're coming up on a year of doing this. So I want to just echo what he said and happy birthday to Jenica. And, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times on here, what happened, you know, the passing of her, the passing of my mom. COVID, a whole lot of things going on. It's been a lot of bad news this year. I want to give a shout out and and Ferg mentioned this a few episodes ago as well. I want to give a shout out to Melvin Johnson, Johnson who we affectionately call Hooli, whose uh, son is finally going home after multiple surgeries, multiple scares. I mean... Five months. Five months in NICU. Yeah, like... At one time, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me. They didn't think he was going to make it. And and his son is coming home, man. And, and like I told him, and like I said on the show, because of so much bad news this year, I love the good news. I love it, man. It makes me feel so good to hear. And so I just want to give a shout out to him, man. Like, I know how happy you are, dude, because I'm happy. So congratulations to you and Pearl. Uh, Congratulations to you both on the other big news that you have as well. I don't want to announce it to the whole public because I don't know if y'all are in that space. I'll let you guys do that. But just congratulations to you guys. Thank you for the good news, because it's been such a terrible year. One other thing I want to do is tell the state of Alabama. Thank you. Thank you so much. As someone who works on Capitol Hill and the Senate does this thing where they don't have a set time when they adjourn, it's just whenever the last senator wants to speak. And so many times we would be close to getting ready to go home and Senator Jeff Sessions would come to the floor when everybody was ready to go home and give like a 30 to 45 minute, maybe even an hour speech, pissing the whole Capitol Hill off, even Republicans. This was a bipartisan hatred for his, <laughs> his last-minute speeches. He ran for his Senate seat again, and by the grace of God, you guys chose Tommy tu- Tuberville, which I'm sure is a piece of trash because I've seen some of his commercials as well. But because he's going to be a freshman senator, it's going to be a while before he's able to give a whole bunch of speeches on the Senate floor. So I just want to thank the state of Alabama. Thank you so much. We don't have to deal with the late night Jeff Sessions speeches. And if you don't work on Capitol Hill, that means nothing to you. But those of you who do work on Capitol Hill that are listening to this, you are nodding your head right now. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Even if you're a conservative, you are nodding your head because you were there when you were ready to go home and he came off the elevator and we all collectively said, God damn it. <laughs> Come on. That's all
1: I got. <laughs> You're a hard act to follow, sir. So I'm gonna call my little my my, my little few words uh, a double dose of huli. So first of all, uh, picking up where you left off, Byron. I'm so happy for my cousin Melvin and his beautiful better half Pearl. They're bringing um, one half of the deadly duo. Uh, Brandon and Bryce home. Uh, he Brandon is at home as we speak, and Bryce hopefully will be home with them in a few weeks. So congratulations. I'm so happy for you. That really was some of the best news I've heard in a while. And speaking of Hooli, I'm going to talk about my other cousin, Hooli, better known as Tremaine. Um, we talked about him a couple of episodes ago. Um, was kind of the guy that kept me on the straight and narrow and helped me avoid a lot of uh turmoil when I was young and probably headed down the wrong path. He started listening to the show a few, I guess, a few days ago and he left us a message on the, on our our group page. And I mean, just hearing his voice, I haven't talked to him in years, hearing his voice and the excitement and the uh, admiration he had for what we do on the show. And he was still just in the beginning. So hopefully he, he loves it even more because I felt like we got better with time but just to hear him speak so highly and passionate about the show really touched my heart. So that was the other huli. So to my hoolies, double shot huli today, I'm probably, think I might have some done. Julio downstairs, so I might do a double shot just for you guys. Really meant a lot to me. So I'm happy for both of you. Happy that one's bringing somebody home and the other one's just doing okay and it's in a good space. Once again, this is Three Brothers No Sense. Signing off, listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen, listen again.